Hi, I'm Julia. And I'm Sam. I'm a composer. And I'm an actor. And this is the 29-Hour Podcast. Julia and I both uh, spent a lot of time developing new uh, pieces of theater. We actually met um, developing one of Julia's musicals. And along the way, we've gotten to work with some incredibly talented, super smart artists. We always just want to pick their brains. So this podcast is our conversations with those people that we are excited to share with you. This week, we spoke to actor Max Chernin. Enjoy the episode. I'm entering a new chapter, it feels like, once I moved out of Manhattan. Oh my God. Yeah. Is this, your first, is this going to be your first time living not in Manhattan? I've subletted before in Brooklyn, but this is my first like permanent home away, which feels nice. It's nice to leave a city behind you when you are done with your day, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought about that—that that if you leave Manhattan, that can be like a psychological breakpoint. Totally, totally. Yeah, and it's like a little more jarring now when I get off the subway in Midtown. I'm like, huh. uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're here. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does it, it? It really feels like a new chapter. It does. I'm kind of like manifesting it for myself. Uh-huh. I'm like six months away from thirty. I like. I'm just trying to like put some energy into like my space which feels like a way more constructive thing than me like sitting in where i was in harlem like in my not really well-lit apartment you know collecting unemployment and running lines you know what i mean like i just i feel like i have like an outdoor space now and i'm living with a puppy my roommate has a puppy so like time for some kind of new chapter i'm manifesting at least i don't know are you so you're a believer in that that sort of like your surroundings and things like this can affect how you're moving through the world? A hundred percent. I think especially here, it's like you have to make like your sanctuary a priority. Otherwise, like I don't know, like your tempo and your your general like just mindset is always I don't know in flux, and yeah. I've been feeling that way for a long time. You know, yeah. living in I lived up in Harlem, like one sixteen right off the two, three. And the main thing I always said was, oh, it's so convenient. It's so convenient, Mm -hmm. it's so convenient. But that's not a reason to live somewhere. (laughs) You know, like for a while it is. It's like, oh, I can be, you know, if someone has a last minute ticket to a show, I can be there in two seconds. Like I can always be down there. I can always meet everyone for drinks. I can always like do this. But like maybe it's better to like, yeah. take a little like saying th- I've I've also like I lived in Midtown for a long time and I also just moved out to yeah. Brooklyn and like everything you're saying is like things I was saying when I lived there that it was just so convenient and I think what I'm realizing now is like that's code for like I am choosing my priorities to be my career and that's it right right you know or, or even like if the it's industry not your career like your availability to other people in yeah things. right right exactly yeah, the industry exactly yeah um and yeah. um, I'm also on board with you that like it's probably a lot better to have have at least more balanced priorities, if not like shifting what is higher, you know, 100%, but like 100%, yeah. to realize that like where like the the environment in which you sleep and spend theoretically a lot of your time matters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it really does. Yeah. 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 This is a tangent, but I've been reading. I just finished the life-changing magic of tidying up the Marie Kondo book. Correct. So I've been thinking about like trying to change my environment by decluttering, mm-hmm. and whether that's going to like clear my mind and make me happier. Because it's not the idea of like manipulating my environment on that level is not a skill that comes like naturally to me. I just feel like I'm not naturally very aware of what's around me, and then certainly not like how it's affecting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I like was for I bought a new dresser. Ooh. These are like very mm-hmm. adult things that mm-hmm. I've, and I had to fold Marie Kondo style <gasps> in order to get it in, and I and I also had to get rid of things because they wouldn't fit. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's a sign, it's a sign, it's a sign. I have to like. And did it that. feel good? Yeah, it did feel really good. I got I, like ten T-shirts out the door. This is weirding me out because like I also went through that experience. Yeah. <laughs> and also another thing. Oh, this is a, such a such a poor segue. But <laughs> another thing that we also have in common right now is that we were both doing world premiere musicals out Correct. of town oh, and just yes. got back at pretty much the same time. Fall Springs. Yeah, Fall Springs. How was that? It was great. That was one of my first jobs ever in the city. I did a reading <sighs> of it, 
In, oh, it must have been one of the two readings that I didn't do. <laughs> in like 2013, in, uh-huh. it was my first time at Ars Nova. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I have very few memories of it other than like meeting Peter and meeting Stephen Brackett and being like, these are cool people. <laughs> and then meeting, I think I met like, I think like Jake Boyd was the only other person I knew in that. And I remember walking down the street with him and a bird shat on me. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like our first day. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm cool. I can like still be cool. Like a bird shot on me and I'm sitting in like a rehearsal with like cool people. I don't know. I hadn't, that was like maybe one of the first readings I did, but I remember being like, this is really great. And fucking, I think Annie Golden was in it uh-huh. and just legends. And yeah. who else was Isabel Keating still doing it? She, I did one with her. Yeah. So cool. What a cool, cool thing. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. The, we it was because I had done the there was one reading before the one you did. Okay. At New Dramatists, and I had done that one, um, and so I had been a part. I had been working on this project for seven years. Wow. So that was in 2012. Oh my god! And it came um, to be. And it came to be, and there were three of us from that first reading who all ended up in this so cool. in this production, um, and, and as well as um, uh, five people who had never touched it before ever. Oh, great. Which was which was like a really interesting um, balance in the rehearsal room of like some people who had all of this baggage along with it, some people who didn't have any baggage and were just like looking at what was currently on the page and had no um, knowledge of like like I had all of this stuff informing me that was no longer actually in the script mm. that had been in it in the past and um, um, so that was interesting. But I mean. It was really, really incredible. To I mean, and I had the same experience last year with um, Loneliest Girl. Oh yeah. Um, and I feel like so lucky to like have seen two projects through in that way. Hundred percent. It's yeah. so it's so satisfying, like across the board, especially when you meet like artists that you you want to support their career as yeah. you know writers, directors, anyone. It's like and you yes. feel you yeah. feel like um, artistically aligned with. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's like full like go team, you <laughs> know, and like. Each thing is is like feels like big successes for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah. did feel like that. Good. Yeah, had you been a, a part of the development of this? So this show is called. This show is called Passing Through. Yeah, we. I jumped on board for their reading in the winter. Okay. Um, and before that, they it really was pretty fast tracked. They were a part of the Goodspeed Writer Colony, mm-hmm. and then it got chosen to do. They have like a an association with Heart School, uh-huh. um, yeah. and they use like kids to do their reading. So it had a reading up at Goodspeed, and then Goodspeed did a reading here in the city and then we, we did um the production at norma terrace which was wild i mean step three was <gasps> a fully mounted production um, oh wow which was like you know the piece has it ha- it's based off a sh- shall i speak about shall yeah, i tell you yeah, okay so it's it. based off a, a true story about um andrew forstoffel who walked across the country from philadelphia to um san francisco and he wrote a memoir about it and it was published um, in like 20, I want to say 2014, 15, something like that. So the boys, um, Eric Uola and Brett Ryback, they heard a podcast that he was on, um, before the book even came out where he like, and what he did along the way is he recorded interviews with people basically. Okay, here we go. Mm. He set off to like find himself in a way um he said across the country his his memoir ended up being called walking to listen um and he wore a sign that said that and his rules were that he had to find his way across the country and like anyone that he could engage with he would speak with and record mm. these interviews with him wow and so his podcast was like a, was maybe like highlights of five interviews with people um and the boys heard that and they were like we got this is great we got to write a musical so they were writing their musical as he was finishing drafts of his memoir and they were in touch and sending things back and forth so oh wow yeah so it's definitely the musicals inspired certainly Mm -hmm. um but what ended up happening is they like from what they like kind of gleaned from that podcast ended up like having a lot of roots in his real story. So it was kind of this like wild, like, you know, melding of storytelling. And um, they started forging this amazing relationship with this guy who is truly, I, I love him so much. I, I got to meet him. Uh-huh. Um, 
he is just an open, loving soul. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm jumping all around talking about him, but what were we, what we're talking about the creation, the steps making the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so we, yeah. So three steps, I joined them in February. Um, and yeah, when I got, when I got the script and the score, I was like, Oh wow, this is it. This is like such a good show. Um, and then I like was like, all right, I'm going to come in and I'm going to nail this, this, like, I really want to claim this as my thing because I'm sure, you know, you know, you get cast in a reading and you're like, this is a giant audition. (laughs) This is the first time (laughs) this this is a whole giant audition. And when it's a, like, when it's a show that centers around one person, it's like all eyes on you all day, Mm -hmm. every day. And my inner demons are always like, that's not you. Oh, wow. That's not your role in the uh-huh. room at this huh. point in my career. You know, it's like that. It's like this knighting almost like, where someone's just no like, guarantees, you're saying. there's no guarantees. Yeah. And, and I, and it's in there and it's something I like learned how to do in college, but haven't really been given an opportunity to execute all that much. Mm. Um, but so I was like, all right, I'm going to like learn the whole score and come in and be like that guy uh-huh. that, that like, I'm not going to be cocky or anything. I'm just going to be very prepared because mm-hmm. that's what I know how to do. And that's, what's going to ground me in the best way. Yeah. Um, because nobody reads music anymore. I don't know if you've <laughs> dealed, dealt with that. But, you know, so if I could help them by, like, saving time, then maybe they'd be yeah. like, Max was so helpful saving time. We've got to keep him around. But um, but I think I think it turned out that, like, this role and the way the score was written, it's like a beautiful baritone part, which is, like, such a gift. But um, I felt like after that reading, I was like, wow, this character does not feel like it's too far away from who I am. Uh-huh. And I never was like racking my brain being like, how am I going to say these words? Uh-huh. How am I going? Because it felt conversational and it felt, I was invested in like this character's spirit. And so that felt like a success. However, <laughs> after our reading, we got bussed up to Goodspeed. We came back, they were having auditions. Okay. And that was already scheduled before the reading so my reading really was a giant audition and it was just one of those moments I knew it was happening and we exit the bus and like on the whole bus ride home I'm like what do I say to them what do I say to them Mm -hmm. like do I give them a hug and I say I'm available or like (laughs) I'm really interested or um I would love to do this this would be amazing so I think you know I think I ended up trying to say something like really democratic and like sad. I think I was just like, I probably something lines that's like, I know casting is a puzzle, but I'm very interesting. You know what I mean? Like I know yada, 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 yeah. like trying to equate right. it all. That is diplomatic. Yeah. I was just trying to, I didn't want to be like, pick me, pick me, but uh-huh. I wanted them to know how much it, the, the week had meant to me. Yeah. So then I had the great fortune of um, having two auditions in the same building, on the same floor, huh. as this was happening, during the same time that they were auditioning oh, wow. this specific role. Um, and I, the only thing I was super self-conscious about was, <clears throat> uh, since I've mentioned I'm almost 30, is that the character is 23. Uh-huh. Mm. And Well, I'm 32 and just got home from playing a 17-year-old. So know, like, <laughs> we're really living the dream. Yeah. But I always, I don't know about you, but I get self-conscious about my height. It's always oh, yeah, the height. That's yeah. why it, height somehow doesn't help with, with age. And so, because I have been taking care of my skin. Um, <laughs> but so I, tr- I, so I had an audition for like importance of being earnest and I'm in a full suit <laughs> because I'm trying to play a little bit older. I like round the corner and the casting director is there and there's like, so, you know, it's about like a guy walking across the country. There's a bunch of dudes in like, you know, jeans and hiking boots right. and shit like that. And I was like, oh boy, this is really happening. And I like truly felt like I bombed my audition because I'm hearing them sing this like passage of the show as I'm like preparing for, for importance of being earnest. And it was my birthday. Oh my God. It was my full birthday. Um, the mind fuck of the mind fuck, the fuckery. Yeah. So that, so like that happened and I left the building and, and I called my agent and I was just like, Hey, 
do they know that like I am down? I'm a hundred percent down mm-hmm. that it is. I'm really interested. And he's like, yeah, yeah, they definitely know. Like, you know, and in hindsight, what they really were doing that week. And I have to respect that is they, you know, there's something to be said about seeing other people interpret the role mm-hmm. yeah. because to that point they had only seen this kid from heart and me do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if they found, ended up finding someone they wanted instead of me, like that's a whole thing. But if they if they learned something that informed the role or informed, mm-hmm. you know, anything along those lines, then that was a success for them. So the whole week went by and I'm like freaking out, freaking out, trying not to text the writers who I now mm-hmm. have a personal relationship with. They FaceTime me and they're like, hey, Max, like, we just want to let you know that like you're going to get an unofficial offer. I'm like at a wine bar on like 70th street, like about to like, you know, drink my life away or whatever. And I was just like, okay. And then I told them right then and there, I was like, you guys don't even know. Oh, I had to go back and had a call back. And the same thing was happening again. I had a callback for oh. importance of being here. I forgot <laughs> to say that. So I had to go back to the building. Oh they were having callbacks for the role at the same time. Oh my so God. You, so this happened twice. So they didn't have you like, do any of the, because they knew you no, in the role. No, because they saw me do the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I had to go back there again to see that happen again. And then I saw a kid there that like, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, he's perfect for that. Oh. He's great because this character um, plays mandolin. And I knew that this guy played mandolin. And I was like, uh-huh. fuck 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 like he plays mandolin that's it i'm out i'm out he looks younger he's shorter i'm out but then i got that facetime and i told them right there i was like you guys don't even know i've been in the hallway I, and it has been driving me nuts um but yeah but then i yeah i got to i got to do it which was cool and i mean wild just like yeah. p- from from page to stage like yeah. wild jumping into uh a new physical world for a show absolutely after it's just been behind stands yeah. for so long stands yeah. and mics yeah tables yeah rooms studios you know um yeah there were definitely moments in fall springs where in readings they always like these moments just like popped very easily because you know so the second act of fall springs the entire cast is on stage the whole time because it's like this disaster show where um I know you both know this, but I'm, yes, I'm please informing the enlighten, listeners. Enlighten the listeners. Um, they're all sort of trapped on this platform together. And so in um, a reading, it's very easy for like, if like there's just two people who are really having a scene, like the other people can all just sort of sit down and these mm-hmm. moments can like pop. But on stage, we're all just like present with each other and also like can't just be like sitting there doing nothing. Because it's like this disaster mode where like we're all sort of like panicking. What do we do? What do we do? So it was this weird tightrope of like, like real human behavior, but also like not upstaging, you know? Yeah. But also like not not giving anything. Yeah, like you know? active listening. Yeah. yeah, but also like not necessarily listening because one of these conversations is like a thing that like other people can't hear so like you know getting involved in something else but not pulling focus to this other thing as like the story is being told over there wow wow it was just like it was crazy to sort of like be be like i'm so familiar with the show but here's a brand new problem that only arrives when you start staging 100 percent. yeah did was there anything like that yeah i mean like definitely there was a lot of like oh now we're standing like a human wouldn't do this you know what I mean like a person wouldn't do this this doesn't work in like physical space um but yeah we had we had a lot we had a a decent amount of rewrites um that were exciting and informative um but it it was you know for this show it was like part he had uh the way it was written is like part narrative part like interviewee kind of scene Mm -hmm. things and so I had a lot of like independent action I had to do while I was speaking. Uh-huh. And that was such a, like I was, you know, what is it? Rubbing your belly and yeah. patting your head at the same time. And so I would wake up every morning and like walk around my apartment or go to the studio an hour before just so I could like be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and I I don't know. I don't know how you, how you feel about that, but I like, I... I want to have that experience in a show where some where like there's a 
horrible person in the room that's just like you're not a good actor like what are you doing like i i want that moment that that's like the fight moment where like in the rehearsal room yeah okay at some point in the process i want to have that thing where everyone's like ah or like i hate your take on it or like we're gonna have a bad day today like i i really want to have that like i want to feel like shit at some point because I feel like from the shit, from like huh. the shit rises the phoenix of the show. Whoa! And, so interesting. And like I really wanted that the whole time, but un- unfortunately, <laughs> I was blessed with a very sweet, nurturing, creative team, and the only like demon in the room was myself. Yeah. Huh. The only person that was like judging myself was me, and um, that was special, and that truly woke me up every day at 7.30 for me to be like, how can I be perfect? Like, how can I get this going? Which is maybe a product of my training, but also Mm. maybe just a product of me fighting for these opportunities and not getting the chance to do it until now. So when you're saying you want to be perfect, are you talking about like through the rehearsal process or like using the rehearsal process to get perfect? No, like through the rehearsal process. I that's see, I've been right there and I actually, for this production this summer, I set a goal for myself to, um, to, to like try to fail in the rehearsal room. Mm. Awesome. Because I was sort of realizing that like I like I 100% get why it feels like we want to be perfect all the time because as much as a reading is a big audition, a production is also a big audition truly, because truly. if you're working with people that you want to continue working with and they're directors or writers who are going to be the ones who are going to get to bring you along to the next thing, you like I I want to show them how 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 much they want to keep working with me, you know, at every moment. But the thing that I had to sort of like tell myself is that um, artists, um, like the, the rehearsal process is for, um, you know, figuring it out, you know, and like there's no, like failing only helps you figure out that that, that doesn't work and now we can try something else. 100%. And I think a lot of the artists that I want to work with understand that. And like the thing I had to tell myself is that like, maybe they're looking at me saying like, Oh, he's trying to be perfect too much. Like, I don't know if I need that. You know, like he's not really like exploring as much as he could because he's just sort of like figured out what works and he's just like sticking to it. And so like, (laughs) maybe it's just me like scaring myself into being like, well, 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 um, I want to work with them so I can't be perfect as opposed to like, I want to work with them so I have to be perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, um, but actually it, in, um, in um, practice, um, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like, oh, now I've like given myself this range to actually like try things and like m- maybe like, I think, I think I got to better like choices than I would have if I had sort of like been in this on this track of like I have to you know show them that I'm good at all times sure I think the end product of the show was like I I who knows because because this is how I this is the energy I brought into the rehearsal room who knows what it would have been like if I hadn't but like I really believe that I was able to bring more cool and it was um uh it was really exciting to realize that. Yeah, you could yeah. walk out of there with like yeah. that as a success, and, and that's it, like. And it also took me probably like three years to like like from like realizing this to actually being able to put it into executing. practice. Yeah, you know, totally, totally. Um, but Max, have you ever had that experience of like a show rising phoenix, like from the ashes of like a crazy, like negative moment? That's so um, interesting to me. I wouldn't say like a crazy negative moment geared at me but yeah like some of the like there were moments in when I was working on Bright Star that were kind of like that like we just everything came to a standstill because like the temp the flow or the tempo of the show didn't it wouldn't jive with like our flow because what we were trying to achieve with that show was like one sweep of movement for about the first hour of the show where you meet the first 10 principal characters with like the first goal was no applause ever. Mm. And in order to make that work, we, you know, we're spinning a giant house and dancing and grabbing people and pulling people. And the show used to start with a song that was just like, your mom is dead. 
and we needed an opening and it was this constant back and forth and our final run like we just lost all that energy um and it wasn't something i was necessarily present for but it was kind of like a the writers and the director are we're gonna leave the room and we're gonna chat da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. but the result the next day was like the gift of this new opening song for the show which was if you knew my story which like helped us set up our world so it definitely felt like you know when you're running you're like you go into runs of a show and you're like oh it's still starting with this like dead mom song like every day and you're hitting it and it's like the elephant in the room because we all know what needs to happen mm-hmm. but no one's willing to kind of put the wheels into motion but then once we got that base it just made everything click and like it, it's a very beautiful song so I, I will always remember sitting in 890 broadway and um, Carmen Cusack like sight reading that song and we're all like misty eyed <laughs> hearing this new song and you know after her putting in the work like four weeks of work on the show we got this new opening that we had to stage like day yeah. one of tech wow. you know so oh my god yes so that definitely felt like a moment where like oh we've arrived we've yeah. found ourselves um, and that was satisfying yeah. yeah that is really cool yeah that must be such a weird feeling being part of a cast of a show that's developing and like watching the writers know that something's not working and just having to sort of like stand by and hope they figure it out. That sounds crazy. Yeah. But, but I I feel like, you know, the actors are the first people to feel it and be like, this feels wrong. And, you know, I feel like when a writer or a director is seeing it, it's, it maybe takes one or two more times to, to, collect it all or it's like oh we're only running the first three scenes i actually need to see it all the way through to know if this first moment tracks that far but when you're in the moment you're like i don't want to do this anymore it's bad it's bad it's bad it doesn't feel right and you you don't necessarily know why you like know how it feels exactly yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah, it's hard. I've definitely, I'm thinking about one of those I'm working on now where we just had a meeting with the director who was like, so I was talking to this actress. She she has trouble performing this song. She doesn't, it doesn't quite click with her. She doesn't quite get it. And like thinking about, you know, does that mean we need to cut this song? How do we need to change this song? You know, is it just that this person doesn't quite click with this material or is it that this material doesn't work? And it's so hard to figure it all out. Yeah. Was this a conversation that you had with this performer or was it separate? I think it, the performer talked to the director and the director relayed to Boo. Us. Oh, huh. that's, a, that's boo. Oh, you think that's I that? I don't like that. Yeah. Why wouldn't, I feel like that's a round table discussion. Hmm. Unless it was a discussion they had over drinks later that day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's unfortunate that they didn't include you in that. Do you I know mean, that mean? didn't bother me. I think well, it was good. Just, <laughs> I think it was just, you know, them being like, when we were working this, you know, it was difficult just so you guys know that. Oh, you know, okay. Interesting. Away. I feel like, I don't know. I feel <laughs> like my would I would want to be like, tell me about, like, why, like, tell me about why you want this moment or what this yeah. sound means to this oh, character. I guess I would try to understand before I would poo-poo it. Yeah. No, I don't remember how much of that we did. It's just crazy because, like, the sample size is so small. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you do yeah. a reading of a thing once. You know, it's the first time the song's right. ever been done. And right. you sort of, like, you know, if you're thinking of it like a scientific study, you know, you'd want, like, 100 actors to read the song. And then if, like, 90% of them <laughs> don't get it, you're like, this song doesn't work. Wow. But, like, doing it once and you've had one person encounter it, it is hard to know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Also, as discussed before, it's always so hard for me to... You work so hard on one thing to pick up and be like, throw it out, right? Something new, the activation energy is so high. Right, right. I'm always slower to do that than I think I probably should be. But luckily, Gordon is better, so he can push me in the yeah, direction. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. You guys are a great team. Aww. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to what you were saying about this rehearsal process. Mm-hmm. Like, did you feel, so like, y- like you're saying like you were y- your only demon in the room. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. so did you feel... How did you feel like you got through that? Or I don't know what I'm asking. I well, I I feel like I got through it by picking and choosing the kind of things I w- would ask from my director, Igor Golden. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know him. Wonderful, wonderful man. But I think I I just wanted someone. I wanted him to be like your shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, like we, when we were like, there's a, there's an, there's like a moment for, um, Andrew, the character, that's like a big solo number. And it, and I was just in my head, I was just like, this will not be 
a new musical theater boy song, a young guy <laughs> singing a song. It's about his estranged relationship with his father and how he w- wants to cut him out of his life. And like, it's a gorgeous song, but it, but like, I always felt like it would teeter right on the line of like, you know, could, if I didn't do it right, it would be a bad musical theater moment for like a young guy with a song, which like I'm sure you know and I'm sure you've seen in yes. a reading. I've seen it in a reading. I've seen it on Broadway. And so, but you know, you're trying to step through a song that's uh, that's like an internal monologue, but you're trying to like give it a little bit of motion so we're blocking and things. And I'm just like, is this even motivated? Does this look stupid? Do I look stupid? Someone tell me I look stupid and everyone didn't. People were like, no, we trust your instincts. We trust you. And I, And in my head, I'm like, why why do you what why do you trust me and i and i and i was like okay i guess whatever i'm doing is fine and i don't have like a sad frowny cry face or whatever <laughs> so to to work through it i think i i think for me waking up early working on parts of the show i would come to the space about an hour before and kind of just be there i think if i could settle my mind then i could arrive and then i could be there but if I walked in like five minutes before rehearsal, mm. it would just, there'd just be too much frenetic energy. Yeah. I also was learning to play mandolin. So I had wow. to oh like boy. practice that every day. Yeah. That's um, a lot. Yeah. But I said yes to it all. You know, they didn't ask me to learn mandolin, but I was like, I want to do it, which truly means I learned like four chords, which yeah. is like great. But I was able to in the show, stand on a platform, step off a platform and walk across another platform, sing, act, and play the mandolin without looking down at, at my fingers for a couple of chords. So I, you know, could like really be like, I'm the, this is the start of the second act and I'm playing the mandolin and I look like I played the mandolin, not yeah. like I learned, that was my goal. Right, I wanted right. to look like I played it, not like I learned it for the show. So that was cool. But yeah, I guess, I guess fighting through it, like finding a way to like calm, calm my mind because everyone else was totally calm. Like the stakes just, I mean, the stakes were, high to get it finished and to get a good product but the stakes for like delivery mm. were i was the only one really putting putting that yeah on on myself but i don't know i i also had this part of me that i had see, this was like truly the first time i've led a show and i wanted to be i wanted to like be the that version of that that lead that I had always you know kind of dreamed I'd be which for me was a kind of like conglomerate of what I've seen and what and what I've seen that I don't want to do because I'm sure you've worked with like stars that are incredible people warm look at you in the eyes know your name like right give gifts and are available. And I'm sure you've worked with people that don't give you the time of day and make creative processes horrible and bring in horrible energy. And like, it's just, I knew what I wanted to do coming in and I um, just tried to lead with like as much grace as possible, which was a kind of buzzword for our show. Um, Grace was finding grace, finding moments of grace for yourself. Um, And I I think I did that. Of course, like I bought like stones for the whole company, and like you know, I there are little things from each person I've worked with that I like kind of took with me. Um, when we did Sunday in the park, when I did Sunday in the park with George, Annalie Ashford went around to everyone's pretty much everyone's dressing room and just said like, "Have a good show." Um, granted, her wig prep was down in the basement, so like that's why she was near us. <laughs> but she still popped in and said, "Have a good show." And so I was like, I want to do that before every show because I don't want the first time for me to see mm. someone be on stage. Yeah. I want to, yeah, sometimes I didn't get to see them, but at least I, they heard my voice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that I think speaks to Annalie. She is so cool. She has been in every single position in mm. a show. She's been in the ensemble, she's been an understudy, she's been a supporting role, and she's been above the title. And that, has forever informed the way that she leads and that always stuck with me. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. So the whole time I was there, I was like, I'm Annalie Ashford. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but actually she's, that's a pretty good goal. Um, Yeah. yeah, So that was what was like on my mind um, beyond the other million things (laughs) that that were going on. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. That's really cool to think about, like, sort of setting a tone for a rehearsal room and, like, the idea that, like, if you are sort of leading a show, the way that that can trickle down 100%. to the rest of the cast. 100%. And if it's not, it's like, I wanted everyone to know that I was okay. That, like, want, that they didn't need to arrive at their show until they felt necessary. You know what I mean? Because a, a big part of the show was an, an ensemble supporting me. And if I could be as strong as possible in what I was doing, they could find their way there when they were ready. And especially because I, I already knew the show and already worked on it and uh, people were arriving at their own time. And, you know, this new kind of style of musical theater that's appearing where people are playing multiple roles and mm -hmm. ensemble is present most of the time and they're playing their roles, but then they're also playing like a version of themselves. It's new for people of a different generation. Mm. And I guess people, they would literally roll their eyes if I called <laughs> them that. People of a generation, it's n sometimes it's new for people. <laughs> um, and it's, a, it's challenging to jump from character to character and to learn some complicated harmonies. And we, w one of the best things about our show is that we really had an amazing group of actors. Mm. We had an amazing group of people that looked like and and behaved like real people there was real human behavior but that also meant that you know what wasn't present in the room were kind of like cookie cutter machines who were used to putting up shows and learning these things and and doing that and it's something that i find myself familiar with because you know you've done workshops and labs where an easy kind of uh way to get something lightly staged is to do this kind of general wash of like present yourself and present with a, a color of a character mm -hmm. and you're supporting the roles and you're you know you're truly singing underscoring like ooze and other things but um and but you're also moving set and you're moving props and you know this isn't it's a new style that's come out so it was tricky for some people to to grasp so yeah. What, how did I get there? Oh, <laughs> me being being comfortable in what I was doing so that they could find it on their own. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm curious, Sam, do you think about that too when you do, because I think, you know, thinking of these two most recent productions where you were sort of like leading the show and where it really was sort of more of an ensemble show. Do you feel this responsibility for like setting the tone in the room? Well, I've never been sort of like the lead of a show. There was one show... <laughs> You don't think of Tommy as a loneliest girl well, sort of lead the, in the, the show? The interesting thing about Loneliest Girl is that especially in the production that we did, like everything was oriented around Anita. Yeah, I guess that's you true. Know? Mm. And like even Tommy is oriented around yeah. Anita. <laughs> you know? But like it, all of the all of the marketing they did, all of the press that happened was all sort of like Anita is the star. So interesting. Um whereas like I always thought of it as sort of like a dual protagonist yeah, situation. No, that's how we think about it. But um I think especially because Anita Bryant is like a figure that people know who she is and Tommy is not necessarily and also in San Diego that Allison Spratt Pierce is you know like the right. star of that scene right um so I didn't really um feel that um in that case and in this case it was more of an ensemble show and if there was well there was there is a lead and it wasn't me so <laughs> um um I've never felt like weighted with that responsibility, but I have noticed it. And I also think it's a similar thing to what you're saying about like when a moment in a show isn't working and like the actors like feel it, but don't can't necessarily articulate why it's sort of like sometimes if like the lead is not exhibiting that sort of grace that you're talking about, like everyone can feel it and m maybe people aren't really tuned into why Unless they're like being monsters, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's re I think that's pretty real. And I think the more I mean, because like I haven't like I haven't worked with someone like Annalie Ashford at least on a full production, um, so, or, or like I'm starting to work with like people who have a lot more experience um, in in rooms like that. And so I'm only starting to like notice these things. Yeah. It's interesting also because I feel like from sort of like behind the table, I think of that as so much the responsibility of the director and the music director mm. in terms of setting the tone and sort of being responsible how we're all going to feel while we're in this room. Yeah. 
I like a lot the idea that like everyone, you know, is bringing a little piece of like that atmosphere sure. with them. Well, but in a production, there is a point where the director and the music director, unless they're conducting or something, mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And so then there, there's still theoretically more time, sometimes more time, sometimes less, but sometimes mo- usually more time performing than rehearsing. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that energy has to come from somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there's almost like two tones, truly. There's the tone of the room when the director is present and we're work- and you know, you're serving the, the show. Yeah. And then there's the tone where you're real people or it's, it's the tone five mm. minutes before rehearsal mm-hmm. or mm. five minutes after at my apartment, you know, where I had, I had them over on my veranda for drinks, you know, <laughs> um, things like that. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing too. I was like, I have to have him over. I have to like, I have to host something. I have to do that. Um, yeah, and I learned that from like, from D. Hody, I think, during during um, Bright Star, D. Hody and, and Carmen got Carmine's catering for us one day. And, you know, I remember being like, oh, that's so sweet. And D was like, no, well, we gotta do it. We gotta, you know, <laughs> we gotta feed feed the masses. And I was like, what a gracious thing to do yeah. and granted i didn't get them carmines but i, I did get like two <laughs> bottles of rosé and that sounds out, lovely. So. yeah yeah um another thing i'm really curious about is sort of like the transition back to the city and you're talking about like it's another kind of transition because you're also like moving to brooklyn yeah it all happened at once yeah yeah um it was wild i got back and i had to I was living in my apartment, but in my roommate's room. She was in Italy and I had a subletter. So I was living out of my suitcase for mm. a week. And then I had to pack up my stuff and start moving to Brooklyn. And I had a goal of being in there before I had this event that I was working on in Brooklyn because I did not want to work an event in Brooklyn and then go sleep in Harlem when I already had the keys to my Brooklyn apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made that goal. And then I went to Fire Island and then I came back. So I, it's been wild coming back. I, I, uh, I don't know. I haven't really had time to like sit and like mourn the show being over, I guess, which like, isn't, is that an expectation that we have? Huh. You know, or are we, you know, what is that called? What do people call that? Like postpartum or Post something? Post-show yeah. depression. Post-show depression. Yeah. That's, that's funny because literally our closing night, I met this girl who was hanging out after the show and she was like she was like I'm very sorry about your push of depression that's going to start tomorrow yeah. and I was like oh yeah she's right yeah. but then because I was also moving into a new place I I had technically moved in right before I left mm-hmm. but like spent all of that time getting settled and so didn't really um and I, I and I moved in with my boyfriend which was like hey, a new thing congrats yeah and but so it, like I didn't really get the feeling of like what it actually felt sure. like to live with him and so coming back I um, was sort of jumping into this new energy that I was really excited about. Yeah. Um, and so I also didn't feel like I had that like post-show depression. Yeah. And I was, I've been thinking a lot about this like um, balance between like career, between life, but you know, like having all of these elements of your life balance and not putting all of your feelings of self-worth or whatever into like one element of your life 100 percent. and i was like this is great because like y- like you usually when a show closes i get sad or whatever i just like i really feel like the lack of working on what i what i want to be working on yeah. like the things that i like to do in my career um but this time there was that sort of like oh but like there are other things in my life that I now get to put my energy into. And I'm excited about that too. Whereas in the past I wasn't excited to go back to my convenient apartment. (laughs) Right. 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 Um, Yeah. But at the same time, I do sort of feel like there was something really exciting about the show and it, it felt like um, I felt very excited about, um, the work I was doing and the people I was working with Mm -hmm. and I'm still having a really hard time sort of like bringing that energy back with me to the city. Sure. Sure. And and, well, it's, it's one of those magical things that's like, as soon as you leave the city, 
you feel instantly more creative. <laughs> you know, as soon as you leave the city and you're not distracted by your things and you're in some house and you're living off Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. like right. I feel like, and you bond. It's like summer right, camp, you right. know. It's and and you spend an equal amount of time rehearsing, and then you get socialize if you choose to, and you're all kind of picking apart the show a little bit, and you're like, is this working? And you know, it, it's it's pretty magical. But yeah, but I, I tr- and trying to bring that back, trying to bring like what that was back. Maybe that's like what I'm trying to find in Brooklyn. Maybe yeah. that's my my dream. But I will say, I'm very grateful to not be doing the show every day because I had to like, I wasn't drinking. I had two humidifiers in my room. Mm -hmm. I had to warm up, God forbid. (laughs) And um, yeah, so I was constantly thinking about like my health and well-being. And now I'm not. (laughs) And now who cares? No, but you know, it it is nice to to not have that always on my mind. Um, But yeah, if the show ever gets revisited, that it's a truly, I'll have to change my my habits my yeah. life not that i'm you know crazy but it's uh i was was taking acid reflux medicine every day you know and now i'm just waking up drinking coffee yeah. having <laughs> chocolate and red wine you know i think for me it like um it's a, it's like a uh a, fe- a fear that like I get back and like all of this work that I feel really proud of, like doesn't mean anything anymore. Yes. Mm. You know? Yeah. And like, there is like that nice for me, it's like probably about a week where it's like, yeah, I don't have to like wake up and like check in or like, Oh, can right. I sing today? Right. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like overrided by that. Like, I think, I think, I think I was feeling this like sense of momentum mm-hmm. that like felt like it came to a dead stop as soon as I got mm. back. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like it, it feels like that momentum feels so real, but then when I'm faced with, you know, everyone in New York city, like it feels so small, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, ha- yeah, I, I had that experience that I will say what I felt that power. And when I, when I came back, I tried to harness it for the auditions that I had and I felt very present and very and I felt like if anything I was going into my auditions with a a point of view a point of view Uh a strong point of view and whether or not that was something people were interested didn't wasn't mattering to me as much anymore until I didn't get a job that I (laughs) really really wanted and really felt um a similar feeling to like that like passing through I Mm -hmm. felt like that I, I had you know met a character that was like close to who I was and uh, the style of the show I, I really dug. And then I didn't get that. And I was like, wow, it hurts. I'm back. Here's the hurt again. And um, it's fine, I think, because you, you know, get up and you have another audition, but it's, it's humbling. And, and, and you go from like people seeing you all the time to nobody seeing you yeah. anymore. And, um, you know, you go back, you go from working for, working for someone, working for the piece to working for yourself. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really true. You know, you go back, you're working for yourself. You're, you're back trying to, you know, get a job. And if that's, you know, and that's, and that's wild. And for years, I've always tried to like, you know, tell myself like, don't set, don't set the goal of getting the job. Pick any other goal to do in the room. Say, you know, today I'm going to go in and nail my F sharp. And if you do that, you can walk out and say you've succeeded at something. And that's okay for a while. And then you sing a hundred F sharps and, you, you know, it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, especially for, I'm sure you've experienced, you know, like eight years in or how long have you been in the city? 10 years, 10 years in, you know, these people, they know you, they've heard you sing the same cut of the song. They, they know exactly where you fit in there. They may not even be watching you anymore. They might mm-hmm. be watching this new person that doesn't know you to see what their face is. And, um, you know, so you're working, it's, it, you're working for yourself and, uh, yeah, so I moved to Brooklyn so I can work for my. I can have a better office, you know, a better view. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that is it. Is that's a, so true because I f- I find 
that it's easier for me to um to not have those like icky feelings if I'm like um working in service of like a story sure as opposed to like working in service of myself right <laughs> that there's something there's some like block there maybe for me it's hard to <laughs> i f- i feel self-conscious about it because um what does working for yourself mean in yeah. this day and age to me? To me, like the quick response, the millennial response would be, oh, I need to create content. Mm-hmm. I should be putting myself out there more. Like I should make a, a YouTube series of me singing. I should like get hot and post hot pictures of myself <laughs> on Instagram. You know what I mean? I should like, what's working? What it, What's that for me? And like, I find, and granted, there are ways to do that that aren't, you could make a podcast and put yourself out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like I did do a solo show, then that felt great. But I feel, I feel self-conscious. I feel like yeah. I'm always watching myself because mm-hmm. like you're now, anything that you put out there on your own, it feels scrutinized a bit. And I am the first person to scrutinize someone's stuff that comes out. Um, but like I feel this this need to curate that, but that sometimes leads to me like sitting on ideas for centuries, you mm. know, until I'm like, I don't know, when will I be ready to f- put out a song that I wrote? Like when will I be ready to finish a draft of a script and let somebody see it or, you know, or or reach out to someone and let them know I'm interested in being an associate director or, you know, any of those things. It's like, I'm I'm truly, you know, maybe that is what I took back from me, with me from Kinetic. It is my evil worst enemy, you know, who's still like, you know, doing the same old jig that he's always done, so. Is that all stuff you're interested in? Like branching out into all those different things? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I lost a lot of my interest in other like venues the, the minute I left school hmm. um because by my senior year I was I like kind of fought my faculty to let me take some of the graduate directing courses hmm. and my senior year I didn't really perform I was an associate associate I was an assistant director for a show in the studio and um the prior year I had like helped mount this like kind of encoresy version of a show and I I don't know. New York feels like the place where it's like you have to pick your avenue and you have to stick with it. Like if at this point in in my life, if I were to be like, I'm going to be a director, there's a hundred other kids that went to undergrad and grad school and have been doing internships and have gone across the world and have Fulbright scholarships and are doing interesting things. And like, why does my who am I to step in and do it? Like, what's my why does my point of view matter? And you know, at this point, it's like, if that's something I want to do, like, it would be easier for me to, like, move back to Ohio and do it there. Mm-hmm. And, but here, it's like, especially now, it's like, I'm not woke enough to be a director. Huh. Like, I'm oh, not, wow. what's, what, what about my experience in my, my life can I help to, ele- can I bring to someone else's piece to elevate it, to put it on at the public or, to you know, get invited to some retreat somewhere to sit and think about it. You know, like I, w- what's in? Like I don't think I'm. I don't know that I'm interesting. I don't know that I'm. It's New York. It's. Th- it's, it's interesting hearing you talk about this, like in relation to you talking about being at good speed and being like, I've got to get there an hour early. Like the perfect way to do this acting thing is this, and I know how to do it, and I'll do it. And that there's you know like a perfect way to be a director, and that that involves like traveling back in time twenty years and getting the Fulbright and traveling. Like. Right. Yeah. It's. It's also. I mean, we've talked to people on this podcast who do sort of like have like we've talked to like people who are actors as well as writers as well as directors. We've talked to um, all sorts of like incarnations in that way. And it's, it's interesting to hear you say that like New York right now, you like, you feel like everyone has to stay in their lane because I feel like there are so many people right now who are um, like throwing that out, you know? Yeah. Oh, maybe I wish I had the balls to do that. Yeah. 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 
and I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's because, safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like when you say like, who who am I to like be, be a director? Like like what gives you the right? But like y- y- you're the only one with your perspective. True. You know. True. And so if that's like these people who are you know these kids who are doing internships like that's fine but like they have their own perspective and you have right. yours and right. like it's that it's that um compare and despair thing right you know right right and i think safe for me to go down this route goes back to me being prepared to go into the rehearsal with the score like i should go to school mm-hmm. i think that would be a safe way for me to be like okay like if i have this kind of stamp or i'm or yeah. i'm meeting this community of people this way then i can ride on the coattails of my education or my mm-hmm. degree and you um, feel like like training is the only thing that like grants you access i think so and i understand I, and i think that's true i mean like if i went and got my mfa like from a fancy acting school like maybe i could be on hbo you know what i mean or maybe i could do a play <laughs> Maybe someone would let me speak words on a stage, but it's like these kind of bookmark things that are like that open up new pools of people here in the city. I feel like, you know, that's really interesting. And I also think that there are so many people doing all of those things who don't have that training. That sure. You're talking about. Sure. And I'm, <laughs> Oh God, I really hope this doesn't sound like a therapy session, No. but I want to challenge you. <laughs> Thank you. To, to um to not think that way you know what i mean like because i wonder if that limit is not that you don't have the training and the limit is that you think you have to have the training you know what i mean sure sure yeah (laughs) maybe we should cut this because i don't want thanks for the challenge (laughs) thank you for the challenge dr sam no my therapist would say the same thing too and and like also i need to tell it to myself as well i I don't have like this like anything over you in this regard no oh my god yeah but no it's important to like relate to a peer in in this biz in that way yeah yeah (laughs) can i change subjects totally to the shirt you were wearing sure just because I haven't talked to anyone yet who was involved in this. It's a, it was a wild journey. What What is even the, the, the Skittles Super Bowl-y yes, musical? Yes, I'm wearing a shirt that says hashtag advertising ruins everything. Um, and this was merchandise that I was given for a industrial event that Skittles put on this past winter in lieu of a Super Bowl commercial. So it was a whole like marketing coup where like instead of putting the money towards a commercial they did a half hour live musical that was only available to be seen by the 1500 people at town hall that day. Um, and it was wild. They gave a huge budget to like a really cool downtown crew, which was, um, it was Will Eno. Uh It was, uh, Drew Gasparini and Sarah from Soho rep. Benson. Benson. Fuck me. Sarah Benson. You know, just her. (laughs) So they were like, here's a bunch of money. Make a musical. Um, And they had the best time. They worked with with the advertising company. And they put on this super meta musical that was starring Michael C. Hall. It was about Michael C. Hall having an existential crisis about agreeing to do a musical for Skittles for (laughs) Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) And um, it was amazing. It was so much fun and we got to basically like we murdered Michael C. Hall (laughs) and then we got to rip down a set and it like rained Skittles everywhere and we got to eat a shit ton of Skittles and it it was cool. I mean, I don't know if you've done industrial events, but when I I, I did another weird one, I did one for State Farm, which that is a whole nother podcast. (gasps) Um, But when like corporate people are working with, uh, broadway types they're just so astonished that like we do everything fast we do it live (laughs) and like and we make it work somehow you Mm -hmm. know what i mean if things go wrong we we're problem solvers and they're always just like so amazed that this this group of people exists because i don't think it's a scene that they see very often but um yeah it was a wild wild experience and we ended up recording a little album and then they ended up winning some kind of advertising award 
Wow. Um, Can does like Can Lion. Can Lions is an advertising thing, and I think they won like silver medal or something, so cool. which is wild because I don't know how they submitted it, except huh. that they took like some sneaky footage and probably sent it around. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's all there's a bootleg on YouTube if you're curious. Wow, I am curious. Um, it just sounds so like sort of like it's so weird sounding, but it sounds so like freeing and fun and like I like these things that are just like of a format that don't feel like the same old thing oh, and even totally. like the length it was like half an hour half an hour like, in and out yeah just so bizarre yeah yeah it was really bizarre and super fun yeah <laughs> good money i spent a lot of time thinking about um these sort of like two different pipelines for how new work gets developed where there's mm-hmm. sort of like this like non-profit like institutional pipeline and then there's like this very commercial pipeline um which like i've never been a part of in any way mm. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, like how something like this fits into that, or if it's like a completely separate thing entirely. Skittles thing? Yeah. Um, it feels like a completely different thing (laughs) entirely. Well, this one did because we were working with a bunch of people that normally work in the nonprofit arena, but suddenly someone said, you literally can have anything you want. Uh Raja Feather Kelly was choreographing too genius yeah and suddenly they had anything they wanted and it was magical it was fun seeing them play with money but it's always interesting it's you know it's more interesting it's like what does a budget do to to a piece in a good and bad way does it make you focus on its content sure um was content something we needed to really focus on for skittles no we wanted to do something entertaining so that was wild but it is an interesting point to be made when there's money and when there's not money in, yeah. in development. It's like, it's really, I mean, I've been a part of commercial developments and I've been let go from them when they go have their big moment. And it's disappointing because you see all the money you could be making. Yeah. And I've been a part of, you know, nonprofit developments that I'm cheering on from the wings if I'm not a part of it because I've made new friends and I, work on or I end up doing a concert of their stuff down the road you know or I end up being a part of it and it's so fulfilling I don't make any money but it's really (laughs) fulfilling it's interesting yeah 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 we were talking to someone who had worked on a a new show that was opening on Broadway. it was a new musical but Mm -hmm. like I didn't think of it as my in my head as like new work because it sure. had gone down this like commercial pipeline, wow. which yeah. like I have no experience with, and which seems so foreign to me, and and from where I'm sitting, seems to have sort of like different values and different goals in terms of like what they're trying to do with the work. Right. There's like new work, and then there's pre-Broadway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like Broadway development. There's new work, and there's like development. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean the 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 show that I um it, that's running on Broadway that I did not become a part of that I will not mention I'm um, not in a bad way I I had done I mean I had done two workshops of it maybe no two workshops of it I left the Bright Star tour to come back mm-hmm. and do a two-week um, development of it because I was because I thought it would be important as it was moving forward and it was such a fun room really fun group I did feel a little bit of collaboration which was like a twist <laughs> for that huh. you know it felt like we were included in on it and partly that had to do with the book writer who I adore and we're now friends um, and his interest in our take on um, comedy and uh, character. And so they ended up bringing us all in to do a movement audition. So this is usually where it ends for me. (laughs) Um, And they brought in all the singers to do like kind of a simplified version of, of the dance. And I felt good. I felt really good. I was like, I did it right. And then, of course, to save money, you know, how can this person do a million things? So they needed, you know, me to be able to cover people in the show. And I went in and saw this team of people that I had been friends with. And I, from the minute I started reading these sides, I was like, "Mm, I lost this job. The energy in the room fell out. Then they had me read another one. Wasn't right. Didn't feel right. And I walked out of that room going like, this really won't be my job. This isn't going to be my job. And that's going to have to be okay. Even though I put a lot of my life on the line and I had big dreams about it's out of town in Chicago and living in boys town and (laughs) making money again Mm -hmm. and working with my friends in the cast that, that, uh, um, you know, I had made. 
And it was the only thing that was challenging was that I, you get the call the next day from your agent at 10 a.m. saying, so it's not going any further with this one. You don't get it from the friends that you saw the day before. You know, you don't get an email from them saying like, hey man, thank you so much for the three weeks of work that you've done on this. It's so great to meet you. Can't wait to work on something else. I mean, you know, sorry, it's not going your way. You know, thank you for what, just like a thank you. That's it. Thanks for what you've done. We're going in a different direction. So I had to reach out to um, my friend, the book writer and be like, hey, I just want you to know there's no hard feelings. I know how this works. I'm not, you know, crying in a corner. And I had to give permission to that to that person to know that it was okay. But I think uh, it was a tough, no, but it was a tough position for him to be in too. And I, and sure. I think eventually he may have reached out. He may have reached out to me, but I knew that he was only in town for a certain amount of time. And I was like, <laughs> I want to actually want to see you before you go. And like, you have my blessing. I'm so proud of you for this show that, you know, is happening for you, this moment that's happening for you. And it's just such an interesting thing. So few people do that. I think I've only, I can think of one time that someone's really reached out to me. Um, Marshall Palet. I don't know if you oh, know him. Yeah. I adore him. He, uh, I did this show called Claudio Quest with him at Nymph. It was like a video game theme inspired things. And I got a call out of the blue from Marshall. Hey, I just want to let you know, like some press is going to drop about a production of Claudio Quest that's happening on the West Coast. We're using this as a, a time to development, to, to, to develop it. And um, unfortunately we have to hire uh, the majority of non-equity performers. But I just wanted to let you know before, you know, you see this and uh, we're still thinking of you for future parts of the show. This was like two or three years after we did it. Oh. I was like, Marshall. Wow. God bless you. You're so sweet. Congrats. And thank you. How kind, you know, and that only furthers any relationship that Marshall has with any of those people that he reached out to. It's hard to tell though, because I feel like from the other side, like from the writer's side, if something like that does happen, you don't want to be like aggrandizing yourself, you know, to assume that like someone's going to be so broken up, you know, that they would have even wanted to do like the next step of your thing. Sure, sure, sure. That's fair. That's totally fair, but I feel like a thank you is always yeah. a warm welcome, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's always a warm thank you. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, there's always a warm thank you somewhere out there, <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> That's all, Rob. <laughs>